All right, guys, I uh, have Gerald from Pop Culture Cosmos here. We're going to be talking a little WWE, uh, well, wrestling in general, uh, talking movies, TV in about a year or two. Gerald, how have you been? It's been a little bit. It has been a little bit. I, I'm doing all right. I uh, hope everyone out there is doing the same. Uh, I know times are tough right now. 2020 has not been the best year. In fact, it's been a pretty tough year, but uh, I'm doing okay, and I feel very blessed under the circumstances. Yeah, I, I'd say I'd have to agree. Definitely, definitely would have to agree. Uh, luckily, I've been back to work lately, so that's always a plus. Yes, absolutely. Right. So, Gerald, we're talking a little bit of wrestling today. Mm-hmm. We've been keeping up with WWE lately. Uh, you could say that. Uh, for the stuff I do for the Pop Culture Cosmos, around every big card, what we do is we make sure we have a preview. And, of course, uh, on our site, we post uh, the big results from all the pay-per-views on our Facebook page, Pop Culture Cosmos. So I follow there, plus as an avid, I guess, uh, fan of the Wrestling Observer way back, even, uh, I guess, dating back to the 80s when uh, I first discovered it uh, via the National Sports Newsletter, daily newsletter that was out there. Uh, and then I saw that on a segment on one of the days a week, and I'm like, oh, I wanted to know more because, you know, I, I already knew about what professional wrestling, a.k.a. sports entertainment, was. So I wanted to always find out more about the inside. So I Try to go ahead and keep up every single day uh, with the industry as part of the things I do for the pop culture cosmos. Yeah, a lot of a lot of interesting stuff, uh, especially over the past year with new uh, new promotion moving in in AEW. That's all Elite Wrestling for for those of you watching who don't know what AEW is. Uh, it definitely caused WWE to change a lot of the ways they do things. That's correct. Absolutely. Uh, they were very complacent, which can happen. I mean, when you don't have any real competition uh, for quite some time, and there were a lot of smaller entities, uh, Ring of Honor, Impact, slash TNA, uh, New Japan, uh, just all trying to see if they can go ahead and make a foray into the U.S. market and make a big splash with varying limits of success. And it wasn't really until we saw this uh, iteration of All Elite Wrestling which emanated out of the Bullet Club, uh, if people remember that, and or they've gone by a Hot Topic and bought the shirt. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, that emanated from that popularity from that group in Japan, and uh, they were able to go ahead and basically convince uh, Tony Khan and his father, uh, who owned the Jacksonville Jaguars, to go ahead and invest in a promotion. And so far... They've had some ups and downs, uh, and people will say about the, the quality level of the roster, quality level of the matches, uh, some of the storylines, this and that, this and that. Same The same kind of uh, criticisms you would give the WWE. But you know what? You can't fault them. They've got a three-year contract that was extended by yeah. TNT. Uh, they're averaging somewhere in the neighborhood of 900,000 viewers, which was down uh, from the 1.6 million, I think that they debuted with, but there is yeah. a level of interest there because they had the successful pay-per-views beforehand. Uh, they were down earlier before when they had the NXT competition uh, on Wednesday nights, but mm-hmm. they're back up uh, overall uh, month after month from what they were doing earlier this year. So 900,000 viewers closing in on a million. Uh, I think that's to be complimented on. 
They have a following that may be tired of what the WWE represents to them. So I'm I'm happy for their success. I mean, I could nitpick on AEW with certain things. Oh, I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm not going to go all Jim Cornette on them because there are some good aspects of all elite wrestling, uh, and I know Jim Cornette is an avid critic, uh, mm-hmm. hardline critic against them and everything they stand for. But uh, I wish them success because it makes the wrestling, aka sports entertainment landscape more viable for the wrestlers and also the fans themselves oh yeah definitely add some competition uh in terms of you know these wrestlers uh entertainers making more money uh actually having somewhere else to go that it will offer them the same type of contracts uh if you will i know wwe hires as independent contractors i don't know if that's changed yet uh, no, some- because they would have to go ahead and issue things like health benefits etc 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 that that you know they're conveniently trying to avoid at this point in time and, and until they unionize i don't think that the wrestlers will ever get that part of it uh taken care of but then again a lot of them are compensated enough to go ahead and get their own plans uh you know as let's say since they are independent contractors they can go ahead accordingly a lot of them but it still leaves a lot as far as independent wrestlers and other wrestlers that are not unionized that are not in the WWE uh, and that don't make that kind of cash, you know, that, that leaves them without certain necessities that you and I take for granted. Yeah. And uh, if I read correctly, I believe this, uh, this past week's, uh, this past week's episode of dynamite was their largest audience. Uh, it's their take home episode before it's an all out or all in one of mm-hmm. the two. Uh, but it was the high, I think, uh, 960,000 people, so somewhere in that realm, tuned in. It was their highest rating of the year so far. They were in the top 15, I think, on, on television that night. That's a uh, great sign, absolutely. I mean, uh, they have peaks where it's closing in on a million once again, and, and they'd love to recapture that audience that was initially interested to see what they had to offer because, like I said, uh, they debuted with a 1.6 million, I think, was the, the number, with- if I remember. So, you know, it's very fascinating to see what they're doing. And again, you, you know, there's some stuff that clicks, some stuff that doesn't. But uh, I will say that uh, they are doing some things well. Like, for instance, they're promoting some of the previously unknown talent or young talent uh, and, and mixing it in with more familiar established names. Some of the names I wouldn't. Some of the names I would push. Some of the names I wouldn't. Uh, but be that as it may, I mean, they're just trying to go ahead and create their own niche while not going ahead and just rehashing all these other ex WWE stars. Yeah. that's a lot of, a lot of criticism they've been getting is from bringing in a bunch of the larger names that were in WWE, which kind of brings me on something I want to touch on uh, Brock Lesnar. Do you think he's going to end up in AEW or do you think he's going to use them? Is a, is a means of getting more money out of WWE, or do you think he's going to end up going back to UFC? Well, remember, he also has uh, not only with AEW as a bargaining chip, uh, UFC as a bargaining chip, but uh, what's the other uh, major, one that Scott Coker owns, um, uh, the other uh, mixed martial arts that Scott Coker owns, I forget. Uh, what's familiar but i know i know what you're talking about the, the, the one yeah because uh i know he's been asking in the media lately to see if he can arrange a fight with fedor uh yeah. yes read, so who was, actually read today yeah 
Yeah, so he uh, has been talking about that because he's under contract with Scott Coker's company. So that's also a possibility. But the thing is, in an environment right now, when your numbers are only slightly up over the past couple months, and it's been pretty much a rough ride for the WWE as far as trying to stay right around 2 million viewers because one show seems to be just barely over, one, one show just seems to be barely under. And I'm not sure Fox and, and NBC Universal are happy with either of those numbers uh, mm-hmm. when it comes to Raw and SmackDown. So if that's the case, and that's with Lesnar at various points of time during the year, why do you need him? He's not going to bring in any more viewers at this point in time, really. He might get a small bump here and there, but he you pay him a large amount for very few appearances and right now you would be doing it under the pretense of not having any crowd. So yeah, that, that and that's something that he brings would, would bring is, is a live audience. And you know, you don't have a live audience to bring in. You maybe get small bumps and ratings, but you're always playing by his rules. And right now I don't see the WWE bringing him back in just because of that, because, and that's why you see what Paul Heyman's doing and, and, with Roman Reigns is because, hey, we got to go ahead and give Paul Heyman, even though he's no longer a huge part of the creative scene, you want to give him still something important to do. And and that's why I think the Roman Reigns deal was made and why I don't think they're going to go back to Brock Lesnar anytime soon. Although it once live crowds appear and if he's still a free agent, that could be a different story. Yeah, I mean... I don't. I don't think he'd be a good fit in AEW just because of the way he likes things done. Uh, he's, no, no, he, 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 he wants things done his way. I mean, there's, well, nothing, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But the the point is, is he's like one UFC fight away from a twenty five million dollar fight. Well, you look at the right now the the landscape of AEW. Who is the champion? That would be John Moxley. Uh, yeah. You know, and and what did John Moxley do in WWE when he fought? or wrestled against Brock Lesnar. He got destroyed. So it's not a good look for your company if you bring in the guy that destroyed your champion uh, and pe- millions and millions of people and all the, your your wrestling fans who are very knowledgeable about that because it's not like they weren't watching WWE before. They yes. were when John Moxley was getting destroyed in five minutes by, by Brock Lesnar. It would not be a good move for them. I think they are going about that top... Uh, level uh, championship, uh, you know, scenario right now with MGF. I think MGF. I'd like to see him get in a little better shape, but yeah. I, 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 other than that, I, I think that the comparisons to a young Roddy Piper are yeah. are very much on spot on, and I think the future is with him as much as he loves to say it is. Oh, absolutely. It, is it too soon to go ahead and take the belt off of John Moxley? Maybe, but M- mean, M- go ahead. You're, you're saying M- MJF is uh, God. He's phenomenal on the mic. Absolutely he is, phenomenal. He's he, gold. He is. He's he is phenomenal on the mic. He is the best thing about all elite wrestling. I mean, again, there are some big hits and misses in AEW, but again, you're you're going off of a talent pool that's less than what you have because of what WWE can take. WWE has all the benefit of being able to go ahead and take the best from professional wrestling and then AEW gets everything else. And if that's the case, MJF was someone that fell through the cracks or developed at the right time for AEW. 
And look at him now. He is, again, one of the best finds for AEW, and he's proving it. The thing is, though, if you're going to stick the belt on him now, you're going to stick the belt on him for a long time. And if yeah. you don't, if, if you don't, well, I'm just going to say this. I apologize. If, if you don't, you've wasted your entire investment in him. But I can really see AEW doing some smart things. And what they are doing is they're building it. They built him up slowly. They put him in a program with Cody Rhodes. They had him go over on Cody Rhodes, which is the smart thing to do. And Cody Rhodes is part of the creative. So, you know, he made the call on that. And they have him on the precipice of becoming a major superstar that they can build around. But they must go ahead. And when they, if they do put the belt on him very soon, then they got to stick it on him for a long time. It's got to be a Hollywood Hulk Hogan type run. You're, yeah. you're, you're plus, absolutely. And, and if they put the belt on him, and he drops it too soon and ends up a glass ceiling at that point. Absolutely. You know, you, you've wasted your money on, on somebody that's it, honestly is probably one of the best talents microphone wise in the business right now. Absolutely. He, he Argu is that arguably, arguably the best right now. He is uh, what you would call a prodigy and we rarely see them in our business. Uh, even the rock to an extent, he didn't come out, with that uh, when he was doing Flex Cavana and then he became uh, Rocky Maivia. It wasn't mm -hmm. until he turned and he went ahead with that awesome Die Rocky Die promo that he cut that you really saw. Boom, there it is. There's the yeah, star yeah. potential right there. Yeah, and, Nation of Domination was where he kind of kicked the doors open, you know? Yeah, and, but as soon as he made that, like you said, with the Nation of Domination, he made that Die Rocky Die promo. That was just like that. His career has taken off from there. I, if I, that's the one thing I would ask him. If I was able to interview him, that's the one thing I ask him is if he didn't cut that promo, if he didn't make that move to the nation domination, would he still be where he's at today? I'm, I'm probably going to say yes because talent always rises to the top. But man, it made his his whole career arc a lot sooner after that promo started. But getting back to MJF. Uh, he is, you know, he, AEW is going to rise or fall with that guy. I'm going to tell you right now. And they need to go ahead and and bring him along uh, at the point where if you're going to go ahead and make John Moxley give up the belt, you're going to go ahead and slap it on his, his shoulder for a long time to come. You cannot split him up with Wardlow. You, you know, he needs the bodyguard gimmick right now. Uh, they tried to do a little and hinted a little bit about that before in a few months. I thought that was the dumbest move. So I'm glad they backed off of that. Uh, yeah. And I just, I just think that, like you said, you know, MJF, he's the best speaker in the business right now. And WWE is probably kicking themselves for not recognizing it sooner. When I first, when I first heard MJF, it's like, man, this is the guy that the Miz wanted to be. Pretty much. Right? Pretty much. Yes. That's, that's exactly who I drew a comparison to was the Miz. And it's like this. This is the guy that he was supposed to be. Absolutely, but, I, I just need him to get a. I would, if I was Vince McMahon or Tony Khan, I would tell him just get a. You know, do what you get. Just a little bit better shape because even the Roddy Piper, you saw how thin he was, especially in his early years. Uh, I mean, going back to even before I got into wrestling in the seventies, uh, you know, you he was very thin, very very slight of build, but he built himself. So by by the time he got to the WWE or slash WWF. 
yeah. he was believable uh, as yeah. far as it's concerned, facing up against bigger guys like Hogan, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, you know, it, I, I would suggest MJF that he gets just a little bit better shape. And if he does, uh, the sky's the limit for that guy. And hopefully if we get lucky enough and he sees this, he might choose some shit our way. <laughs> uh, that's up to him. I'm sure he's probably been told that or knows that or whatnot. But again, he, he you know, health willing, he is the superstar for AEW going forward. Uh, I wouldn't turn him to a baby face at any point in time soon. Uh, he, you know, uh, but if he does turn, obviously it's going to be, a, you could make, should make it a big thing. Uh, but he is, in my opinion, they should treat him the way that Hogan was treated in that regard. But absolutely, if, you know, Hogan was a baby face for the longest time. Oh, what over a decade. But there is also the possibility, since he is a heel, uh, aka villain out there, yeah. uh, that he would be treated like Ric Flair. That yeah. he's going to do seventeen jobs. He's going to get the title seventeen times, but he'll be known as the greatest, you know, as far as what he's doing out there. And he, he's a good worker. He's not a great worker. That's uh, in the ring. I've seen his stuff. He's, he's pretty good. Then uh, that's, that's the thing. You either need to be great in the ring or great on the mic. And he's good enough on the, he, rem, you know, he reminds me of the most successful individuals out there, like an Austin, like a rock, like whatnot. They were never considered at the, the top level of performance, yeah. but they were considered good workers and they became good workers. Uh, and But what they could do was really entertain and capture the audience, which is what you want to do. Yeah, yeah. you always had your people like The Rock, uh, Steve Austin, and then you had your Bret Hart's, your uh, Shawn Michaels. You know, guys guys that they just they made it happen, you know, in the ring. They, they carried the matches, you know. Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I'm not as high on Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels as some others. I, I do think they're up there in your top 10. Uh, but, uh, you know, some of them went it, uh, you know, just like Flair, just, uh, you know, just as Flair could go out and, and do the same things over and over, but still create that, that memorable match. It was what he did outside the ring that would go ahead and capture the audience. Yeah. I know with Shawn Michael and Bret Hart, what they did in the ring was was do a lot of great things that would create a lot of matches, great matches. Outside the ring, it was hit and miss with them uh, oh, as yeah. far as Absolutely. what they could do. And that's why I think Rock and Steve Austin were just a little higher on my food chain as far as overall performance. Because for me, it's also important as a performer that you're able to go ahead and connect an audience via the communication part as opposed to not just telling a story in the ring oh yeah absolutely i, I was speaking morally from like a like an in-ring talent oh yeah 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 um, uh bret, bret hart was always somebody that's like man he was he was good you know especially oh, yeah, on, yeah. on the fly decisions oh yeah i mean i mean in his sleep he could give you a three three and a half star match same thing with flair same thing with michaels uh, and that's mm -hmm. the thing i mean and michaels could bump like uh, no tomorrow uh, yeah. and, and the thing that that's, that's the case. Yeah, I'm just saying just, you know, they always talked about the, how they're the best of all time. And I hear the best of all time when it comes to those guys. And I'm just like, it's not just the in ring and creating that excitement there. Mm -hmm. It's, it's to me, it's also about how you're connecting an audience and the whole, whole performance of that. I mean, Bret Hart really didn't connect an audience until he became a bad guy and, and started the Canada versus USA thing. That's when he really got a, the crowd connected to him 
in a, in a way that was uh, truly uh, magnetic. And with Shawn Michaels, it, it was always touch and go because he can never just he, he, I'm, he is he's comfortable when he's with Triple H and doing yeah. the shtick with with Degeneration X. But by himself, it's always been uh, touch and go as well. Uh, yeah. I mean, you, you can you can't put him as far as a talker in in the uh, you know like the Rock, Ric Flair, or oh, he's even even close yeah one one thing with uh with bret hart it it was so polarizing uh during the canada versus u.s uh stick that he had man when they would go to canada versus when they would be over the border in the u.s it was so polarizing the reaction they got people bought into it that was amazing and uh i think those days you know i i i Try not to go ahead and say, you know what, back in my day in the WWE Attitude Era. But the thing is, it was so magnifying. And if, you know, uh, young men and women out there that want to go ahead and check out why it was so magnifying. I mean, they just need to go to YouTube or the WWE Network and understand why it's so magnifying. Because they don't have that same kind of connection or the fans do to the stars day because the stars are just not able to go ahead and I don't know if they're they're just there's that missing element and I've said it for a while now on my shows is that you know the WWE is not truly a successful organization until or unless they have a marquee star and right now they don't have a marquee star a star that they can build around AEW with MJF they just might. But we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, like uh, yeah, yeah. I, th- I can't, I can't say it any better. You know, I mean, I mean, tell me, tell me exactly. Do you see? I mean, whether you loved him or hate him, John Cena is probably the last magnifying individual that that could get an audience one way or the other. Roman Reigns, uh, there, there's some lots, there's some love him that some hate him. You know, he does get a get a crowd reaction, but. There's a lot of other people that just don't care. I yeah. mean, some of them are, are happy now that he's finally turned heel and turned a bad guy. I know it's one of the things that you and I wanted to talk about that he's lined with, with Paul mm-hmm. Heyman. But the thing is with him, it's just the point where like, okay, he resisted so long. Now I don't care. And, mm-hmm. and the storyline is now that he's just not, he, you know, if there's anybody in WWE that can move the numbers, I guess it's him. Yeah. But again, they just really, for years since the peak of John Cena, have not had that one individual that they can market their company around as much as they tried with Roman Reigns. And you've seen in, in, the results. In my opinion, they're they're about three to four years too late on turning Roman Reigns heel. He should have been turned heel years ago. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because they've tried to push him down our throats. And yeah. it just didn't work. It just has hasn't been effective. And had they done that and made him a heel at that point in time, I think it could have garnered a lot of interest. I think it could have garnered a huge amount of interest, but he just didn't want to buy in on it. I think it was more him than the company as saying that's the case. I, I, I look at Roman Reigns and I don't say, you know, I, I don't, I don't see a face. I, I see a heel just by his look. Yeah. Uh, but he, I mean, I know he's a nice guy in real life. I know he's a, from all I've seen in interviews and all I've heard, uh, you know, backstage, I heard he's a terrific person to deal with and, and I wish him much success, especially after all the heroic things that he's had to go through with his health and whatnot. So I yeah. wish him uh, all the best, 
but to see his character, if you really want to go ahead and promote something, you can only capture lightning in a bottle so many times. Yeah. And they were very fortunate to do that on two occasions with Hulk Hogan and then Steve Austin. Uh, and then with the rock on top of that. Uh, and, mm -hmm. and, you know, it, and then John Cena was, I wouldn't want to say full lightning in a bottle, but he was kind of like a, a good, <laughs> good, a good storm in, in the rain, yeah. so to speak. But yeah, right now they, they just, they're trying to develop Drew McIntyre. It's just not doing it. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and, and, uh, again, they, I think they, I think they were a little too late on him too. I mean, not uh, by Roman Reigns, but he could have been a monster heel if when he came back, they would have just, you know, he's been there before. If they would have dropped the title on him or at least like the Intercontinental or the US, he could have been a lot bigger than he is now. But it's also, you know, you have to do things too in your own right. It, you know, with the with the lightning in the bottle scenario, I mean, it wasn't the WWE per se 100%. It was also Steve Austin dropping that 316 line, uh, you know, saying those things and doing those things right around that time, coming up with the Stone Cold persona because he was the ringmaster and wasn't going anywhere. So let's, let's put that out there as well. Drew McIntyre, 3MB and all that, he wasn't going anywhere either. But it's also sometimes up to just as much as the company to try and do, but it's also sometimes up to the wrestler to go ahead and stand out in some way. And I just don't see Drew McIntyre in his promos or anything like that. They're good. He, he's good in the ring. He, he's, he, you know, yeah, he's in good, great good, shape, you know. but yeah, but good doesn't sell it. It's just gotta be something that clicks and you don't know what's going to click. You can try and force it, but it's, it's not, it's gotta be organic and there's nothing organic right now, as far as the star is concerned, unless, unless it's AEW with MJF, but I'm not a hundred percent sold on that because I don't have enough faith right now that, they're going to go ahead and follow what you and I are talking about. Yeah, the, the last uh, the last organic thing in WWE that I I am I'm pretty sure I could say this uh, probably Daniel Bryan's original run. Yes, yes, and they and the yes, 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 and that's the last, and that, that's the most organic thing I could remember about WWE. But the problem is uh, whether they didn't like it. You know, the fact that his size, he's not the biggest guy in the world. They just weren't willing to go all in on him. And that's the problem. That's part of the problem. When you have something organic that works like that, you have to go and buy in and go all in as a company mm -hmm. and, and keep it that way and ride it out for as long as you can. And they chose not to do that. Again, I think size was a factor with him. And it's a shame because he's a tremendous worker in the ring. He provides exciting uh, matches. And, and I thought there was a great future there, but now he's just a very good, wrestler instead of something that could have been even more now looking at some of the new live shows what's your take on how they're running their new live shows uh where are they selling uh selling seats with screens well it's not selling seats per se that's part of the fan universe you got to go and fill out the things uh, thing on wwe.com and similar to what the nba does with michelob ultra and whatnot but um as far as their thunderdome that's based out of the orlando arena Amway Arena and whatnot. Um, I, I like it as a better step in the, in the right direction. Uh, uh, you know, doing things from the Performance Center kind of, uh, you know, had a worn out feel after a little while, but it's a step in the right direction under the circumstances. I mean, people can go ahead and criticize WWE all you want as far as them actually continuing during this pandemic, but 
at this point in time, now that all these other sports leagues are doing it, they might as well go ahead and do it. And I think they're trying to do what they can under the best circumstances possible. It's a good look as best yeah. you can. And I'm, I'm more acceptable to that, but they got to get rid of the canned crowd noise. Absolutely got to get rid of it. I cannot <laughs> stand it. I cannot stand it all. I mean, I made this on my uh, uh, Lakers fast break basketball show about how I just was just so angry that during the, the the preseason and the bubble games when they were adding crowd noise and I just said, you got to get rid of it. It just sounds awful. The it's 2K, it, well, they were using NBA 2K crowd noise in there and it was just like awful, just absolutely awful. Yeah, uh, I, I guess they have a couple uh, kinks dying out there too as far as that goes because there's a, a lot of people putting certain things up on the screens that are getting through the cracks. Absolutely. Uh, so, some unfortunate, some kind of cracked me up a little bit. I, I know somebody had a picture of Chris Benoit on, which I think they should still keep them in their history books. But that's just my opinion from an avid Chris Benoit fan. Well, especially, and I understand he was one of the greatest in-ring uh, performers ever. I, I get that. I've seen, you know, saw his work over the years as Wild Pegasus, as Chris Benoit in WCW and WWE, whatnot, and. But it's hard, you know. You know what he did, and and you know if you're running WWE in a uh, what 2020 time frame, a cancel culture now yeah. that would take heavy criticism, absolutely heavy criticism, could get boycotts, could get canceled, could you know mass social media. Where you know if you did something like that, and that's that's hard. It's hard to recognize someone that did something so heinous. Yeah. For whatever reasons, he could have been very troubled. Most likely, if you watched all the specials, the Dark Side of the Ring and some of the other stuff that's been out yeah. there on, on him, you realize that he may have not been in his own right mind. And there's a very great possibility that that was the case. So I don't want to go ahead and say, you know what, uh, I disagree with WWE in that sense, because if I'm running the company... I'd probably make the call not to do it either just because you can't in our current cancel culture because of someone who committed such a heinous crime. Yeah. Now, something interesting relating to him, uh, his son supposedly talking in talks with AEW, which I, that's going to be a hard, that's going to be hard for him. I would make sure he has a different rig name. I would not, uh, that would be the first thing I'd say. Just because of his name, it's going to be a very, very hard go for him. I know he's friends with Chris Jericho, uh, a couple of the other guys there that are in AEW currently. Well, he, uh, he deserves the chance. He deserves the opportunity. You know, if that's what he wants to do to fulfill his life, absolutely. And now that sports entertainment is, is for lack of a better term, safer, especially when it concerns uh, drug use and steroids and and of course, the headshots, which we now know were very damaging in many ways to many wrestlers. I mean, I don't think we should preclude him from that and give him every opportunity to succeed. I just think for his own sanity and clarity that he might want to go ahead and, and under a different name. But if he wants to go ahead and, and try to do something under his own name, by all means, give him every opportunity. But you know there's going to be a lot to come with it. That if you're going to go out there as uh, first name Larry or uh, David, if I'm not mistaken, David, 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 yeah, that's right, David Benoit. If he's going to go out there as David Benoit, he knows just by having that last name, he is going to be subject to a lot of 
other stuff outside of that. And people will be rooting against him just because of that name. And not even that, you know, he's his father set a very high bar to follow as, as far as somebody coming in and performing just just in that right. I know he's been training up in Canada under Lance Storm, hmm. who, if you, if you remember, was very close with Chris Benoit back in the day. Absolutely. And I know uh, uh, he's had more time to work with him because he uh, Lance Storm just got cut as a producer during yeah. the pandemic. So he it's I feel bad for him because he moved, you know, his he closed to school. He moved uh, to Florida and then they decided they didn't need him anymore, which doesn't sound well. It sounds like the WWE because they've done that stuff before. So. <laughs> Yeah, 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 they found a good excuse for it this time. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, I mean, that's uh, it's, you're taking the Benoit name of the ring. You you know what you're dealing. You you've got to know what you're getting into. And I, I'm I'm assuming he would. I'm assuming yeah. he does. He's had enough. Has enough people around him that would be able to tell him that. Yeah, absolutely. And so moving on, uh, as far as independent wrestling goes, uh, do you follow much independent wrestling at all? here and there uh uh some of the japanese wrestling uh sometimes a little bit of shikara sometimes a little bit of ring of honor uh sometimes but you know impact um i know that it's it's they're getting a little bit more now with some of the wwe wrestlers and that's what happens wwe lets go a lot of wrestlers they start flooding the independent uh promotions like tna nwa ring of honor etc etc but it's hard, I'm going to be honest with you, to watch them uh, now in this time frame because I think the talent pool is quite considerably less than previous decades, I should mm-hmm. say. Even from, what, last decade or the decade before, especially when you had, uh, like, the Brian Danielsons, the Samoa Joes, you had, uh, you know, Kevin Owens, you had... You had so many different wrestlers that we now know today. Now, mind you, there are probably wrestlers that we will know tomorrow that are in the independent scene today, but they just don't stand out at this point in time, or at least whatever they're doing is not standing out at this point in time comparably to what we were seeing 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago in these regional areas. Any uh, any independent wrestlers that you personally feel you would like to see move up to a brand such as AEW or WWE? That is a good question. I think if I'm going to go ahead and name one, uh, the one sticks out. There's there's one name, one major name that sticks out, and she's very familiar with everybody out there, and that's Tessa Blanchard. Yeah, absolutely. and uh, and there's just really after that, it's kind of hard. You're kind of trying to weed out. Oh, maybe Jay Lethal. He's a veteran. He's he's pretty good. And or there's there's like the Briscoe brothers. Oh, they're they're really good. They were good, but they've been there, you know, in Ring of Honor so long. Could they actually make an impact somewhere else? So it's just harder to find. You have to weed through to find talent. So you're hoping to find another MJF in in the diamonds and the rough type deals. And it's hard. Uh, yeah. but Tessa Blanchard would probably be the one name I would look at if you're not looking at Japan uh, at this point. Because I mean, you go to Japan, you can always find a star there. Yeah. No, she would sell. Absolutely. But no. Nope. Uh, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm going to probably agree. I would like to see the Briscoes be able to come work with the Young Bucks again because they were, that was some of their old matches. They were re- really good. 
But that's one of the complaints I have about AEW is you have Kenny Omega, which had the quote unquote seven star match, which I've seen, uh, which was really good, but I, it's not my, my all time favorite match. Um, but he's had some outstanding masters uh, with Okada and some others. Yeah. Uh, you've had the Young Bucks who had some great matches back in the day. Now, mind you, it's in the style that makes Jim Cornette cringe, but it's still a, a very fun, athletic, high-impact style. You, you have so many great tag teams in AEW that have performed well outside of AEW. But the problem is I don't see these great four- and five-star matches since they've come to AEW. I can't remember you know, when Kenny Omega has had a just a, just wow, just a great match. They've had okay matches. I know Kenny Omega's kind of on the back burner. Uh, yeah. he, he he was one of the vice presidents of operations there. So I know Kenny Omega was definitely trying to put people over. I don't know how much you keep up with his social media accounts, but he's definitely teasing teasing uh, some, some definite uh, old school action. Well, the problem is, did he put too many people over? And same thing with, you know, okay, because, you know, there's a point where you put so many people over, you lose your status amongst the fans' eyes. And I, I think it would only take a, another great match from him that he could pull out so that it would give regard well, you, a lot you, of interest. You followed, uh, you followed Kenny Omega in New Japan, yeah? Mm-hmm. That's okay. I mean. Like I said, I mean, that's, that's hey, where it starts. Hey. From what I gather, he's bringing his cleaner uh, persona back, which is going to be absolute gold. Okay, well, that's mm-hmm. that's obviously was very successful for him. Uh, again, his matches with Okada are something very, very good. Uh, you know, I highly recommend. Uh, but here, you know, it goes back to AEW has had some pretty good matches. I mean, but most of them have been by Cody and John Moxley. Uh, I don't see those great matches that, like you said, like I said, with with Hangman Page, with Kenny Omega, with the Young Bucks that I was seeing when they were outside, whether it's with PWG or whether it's with, uh, you know, uh, in Japan or wherever, you know, they were having these tremendous matches. And then they come to AEW and whether it's the fact that they're running behind the scenes operations, which most of them are. Uh, that may be taking precedent, which is fine. You're trying to build your company going there, but you also want to make sure you keep your own name so that the fans keep interested in what you're doing. And and that to me is hopefully going to be something that they need to focus on now that they're established, now that they've got numbers, now that they got people watching, that they can go ahead and and remind fans why they're there in the first place. Yeah, I think a lot of that was was just to try and avoid any backlash saying that, well, you know, they're running the they're running the show. They're putting themselves over. I, I think a lot of that was be be you know. I think the reason was because of that. But sometimes you do need to put yourself over because if it gets you in the end, it's about putting the people in the seats, getting them to spend the money, and getting them to watch your show. And yeah. if you put people over each and every time out, you're not getting people to watch the show. They did a smart thing with Cody. Cody. He lost MJF. He put MJF over, but immediately got himself the belt and and won time in, time out, time in, time out to go ahead and reestablish himself as a top star in in AEW. Uh, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page, that beer drinking to milk drinking type deal scenario, it works to an extent. Yeah. 
but it's starting to play itself out. So they need to go ahead going forward, whether they, they face off against each other or, or break up or, or do I something know, as far as that. They got to go ahead and do something with their characters. Go ahead. I'm I, know, sorry. I know Hangman Page just turned heel. Yeah. No, I just, but, no, but he's been, he, he's been a pseudo heel now for, for months. This is something that's yeah. not a stretch for him. So yeah. I'm, I'm assuming at some point in time, those two are going to face off Kenny Omega and, but it's got to mean something. It's got to work something. And that's, you know, they still don't have uh, the best array of talent yet. I think there's some stars there like uh, Brian Cage, uh, obviously MJF we talked about. Uh, yeah. There's a couple other stars. I'm not a huge fan of Orange Cassidy. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, I think, uh, you know, the, the hands in the pockets type deal. Okay, that works only for me for so long. But you know, Chris Jericho's trying hard to put him as over or put him over. So I give him credit for that. It's funny because I was thinking the other day, I'm hearing him always talk about how back in the day that Kevin Nash held him down and, and all that. And, and, and boys in WCW. And it's funny, ironic, 20 years later, he has become the Kevin Nash of, yeah. of AEW trying to manipulate things. And, and uh, from his own, own way, even though he can't do a lot of things that he once did, so I give him credit for that, for understanding the landscape of where he's at and yeah. still being able to be on top because of it. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, and the character he played going into AEW, he couldn't have did it any better. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I do think their women's division, uh, they need to go ahead and, well, with, you know, whether or not they get Tessa Blanchard, they need to provide uh, a lot more emphasis on it, emphasis on that because I think it's, uh, not where it needs to be. Uh, you know, you compare it to the WWE, which has put so much emphasis on their women and has made it such an integral part of the WWE as once, because once, not too long ago, it was just a side thing and it wasn't very important. And now it's very integral to part of WWE and sometimes gets the best ratings. And for my money, the best wrestler this year is Asuka. She has the best resume this year and the best career. Uh, she's right now one of the best workers on the planet and has had the best matches overall this year. Yeah. Uh, so I would say, she, man or woman, she's my my number one pick. I said that on my show a, a couple weeks ago, uh, and uh, you know I see the Charlotte Flairs, I see the Rhea Ripleys, I see the. Uh, you know, the Bailey's and the Sasha Banks, their dynamic, as far as that's concerned, being probably the best storyline that's going on right now in WWE. I mean, the women's division can is now proving in 2020 that could be something that you can generate money, generate interest, generate attendance. Doesn't have to be a, a, a sideshow. Doesn't have to be something you sprinkle in once every three hours. Doesn't have to be something that you're using and selling uh uh, what should I say? Sex appeal about like you mm -hmm. have in the past. It can be something that you can do legitimately and show off legitimately and can garner uh, a lot of success from it. AEW needs to follow that roadmap that the WWE, that the WWE is now set out and they need to go ahead and, and build something there because they've, they've done a pretty good job, obviously what they had for the men's side. Uh, but they haven't done very much for the women's side. The women's side at least seems very inconsequential at this point in time in the one, AEW one, product. One person AEW let go that I was I was kind of I was kind of bummed out to see them let go was B Priestley. Mm -hmm. She had I, I watched a lot of her independent stuff and and she was good. 
uh, and touching on on her, another person I'd love to see in a better position is Will Ospreay. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Will Ospreay is considered by many one of the best workers on the planet. Uh, he's had tremendous matches. He's got a big-time attitude, as you yeah. and I have, have seen it, but he's also got a, a, just an outstanding skill, and you got to get him now because yeah. his injuries are going to catch up with him. His have, style have, is going to catch up with him. Have you seen the matches between him and Ricochet? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, it is it is uh, i can understand what jim Cornette says about it being too coordinated at times but for me yes even though it's kind of in that realm it's still so beautiful to watch uh, as far as those two the way they were performed together those two together made it look so organic yes and don't get me started on ricochet in wwe as that's that depresses me yeah i won't even talk about that right now rumor hill matt has it he might be on his way out uh, I would be too. I'd be depressed. You, you know, you're, you're, you're so athletic. You've got so much to give. You could be so exciting for this WWE product, and and you're relegated to the main event or being uh, jobbed out in two minutes. It's just absolutely ridiculous that they have. Uh, the first thing that bothered me about Ricochet when he debuted was his entrance music. Uh, I hate. I, I mean, that's, that's usually a kiss of death right there for you. But, I mean, he was tremendous in NXT. Uh, I thought they were really going to do something with him. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, it's not the case. I, and I, that would be That's going to be the WWE's loss. And Ricochet is going to be one of those few ex-WWE stars, if that's the case, that's going to be a, a prized individual somewhere else. He's yeah. going to go back and become a top star either in Japan, independent scene, uh, could become a star in Mexico or, dare I say it, a top contender for AEW. He has ties there. No, there you go. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of underutilized. I mean, when you, I guess when you have a roster that's that large, you're going to have underutilized talent. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, you'll say you'll say a couple wrestlers. I'll say a couple wrestlers. We'll both have different opinions. But you're right that when you have the WB and their policy of even Steven booking, uh, you know, a lot that really irritates a lot of people. You're going to have a lot of that. You're going to have somebody that's okay. I'm finally going to give you the push and it doesn't go as well as you planned because you've been booking him this way for so long. And it's like, okay, your turn, you're up, take a number, your turn, it's you're up. And it's just like, okay, you want us to go ahead and get behind him. I can't do that. It's, it's, it's yeah. I mean, you know, you have your Rusev's, uh, even John Moxley. It's like, I mean, they put belts around him, but they, they murdered him. Yeah. And, and he's, he's not that great in the ring. No, and he could he tell a good story? Yeah, he. I mean, he tells. He's good enough in the ring, and and he obviously is pretty good on the mic, uh, as we've seen. And and he's a good fit as your champion. Now the thing is, do you want to take the belt off him so soon? But also, do you want MJF to do the job? And that's the problem. If MJF does the job, uh, I see a lot of shine coming on often, and that's the problem. Uh, I'd say you go with the future now. Because you've already made the bed, you got might as well go ahead and lie in it. You made the bed, so you got to go ahead and do it. I would give him the title and have that long, long streak run right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're gonna, if you're gonna, if you're gonna go through with it, you got to keep. You know, it's got to be a, a Hulk Hogan esque type run. You got to yeah. give it for a long time. You got to, you know, make most of his matches look effortless. 
Absolutely. You got to create a heel persona. Like, like the problem is, is who are you going to bury in the process? Well, again, it comes to the point where he, he needs to be given that Ric Flair run, not necessarily the Hulk Hogan run, but the Ric Flair run where he, Ric Flair a couple of times did have it over a year. Uh, yeah. and, and he did travel around the world with it and made the name of Ric Flair what it is. But, you know, who are you going to bury? I mean, I wouldn't bury Brian Cage, who I like a lot. I really don't think they need Taz to talk for him. But, you know, be that as a man, I think Brian Cage is someone that you got to keep near the top. I think, um, what's his name? Uh, uh, the TNT champion um, off the top of my head. Um, uh, the, the head the of the Dark Order. Yeah. Brody Lee. Brody Lee. Yeah, he is someone that, uh, I'm sorry, it doesn't do it for me. He's someone you could go ahead and... and and uh but the thing is how much if you bear if you bury him the dark order becomes a joke even though some yeah. people it's a joke already I, mean, I, I liked i liked i liked Brody lee in wwe that persona i i felt fit his look fit you know what he did hmm. uh somebody that i'm i'm thrilled to see as a cha uh, champion is sheeta is the aew women's champion i think she's a phenomenal wrestler but the problem is she doesn't have much to go off of. She doesn't have many outlets for contenders. Uh, and that's the problem when you, when you run into a lack of depth and a lack of attention based on the, on the women in AEW is that you have this champion who, like you said, you appreciate and you, she just does not have that list of contenders that inspires people to go ahead. I got to watch that. I got to watch that. I mean, it's it's a matter of can you need to build uh, and and the WWE. Well, sometimes we get mad when they force things down their throats, but they started uh, really pushing the women's division in 2016, 2017, 2018 to the point where they were main events on on WrestleMania. They were having their own all women's pay per view. They did it to the point where people started to really care what was going on with that division, and you have to do that with AEW. And right now they're not because look at the time frames that, that the look at when the AEW uh, women's division is being showcased during the course of dynamite. Look at them when they're show, being showcased mostly on AEW dark. And that tells you right there what they're, what they're thinking about. Because if you, if they had a different mindset or if they started from the beginning, they should have given the women a more even playing. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. You know, hundred uh, percent. Another one of my favorite, and I think it's most uh, a, a lot of people that watch AEW's favorite, Darby Allen, has has become one of my personal favorites in there. A very, uh, very early Hardy Boys Day esque type persona. Mm -hmm. I like him. Uh, he's uh, he's one of the the these uh, new bloods so to speak i can't believe i'm using that phrase but i think there's just off the top of my head there's no other way to describe it the new blood that you do want to eventually market him but he needs a slow build he needs to be possibly that individual maybe that you know aew can get behind that might beat an mjf maybe a year year and a half down the line you know that people would believe and the thing is you got to go ahead and build out slowly you got to protect him like you did mjf and that's the yeah. thing, if because if, if you don't, then you're just making him just another guy. And that, that's that's the problem. You need to protect these young assets that you have for down the road. I mean, you have Jericho now. Uh, that's great. He's going to help your company get name status for the now. You have 
Cody, who's still young enough, can be a now and later on down the line. John Moxley, same thing, the Young Bucks, all that. But you also have to have somebody like a Darby Allen who you created yourself, who you grew yourself as your own superstar, because virtually no one knew where he came from or what his background yeah, was. Him, uh, Kip Sabian's another one, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, very you, talented wrestler. He's not too bad on the mic either. Absolutely. So, you got to build these wrestlers and protect them. If you don't want to push them to the moon, you still have to protect them and put them in spots that will start to get the, the fans like you interested in them uh yeah, but there there are careful ways of doing that to put them on spots on the card where they will when they're ready to go to that next level they'll be there and the fans will go with them uh, yeah. but that's the thing if you put them in meaningless feuds if you put in them in feuds where it's even steven where they lose they win they lose then you're only defeating the purpose right there for the for their future and your own yeah all right so uh Let's, uh, let's go ahead and push through to the next topic. We'll call that one a wrap for now. Uh, your opinion on where the movie and TV industry is going to be in about a year or two? Well, it all depends uh, on where we're at with uh, coronavirus. Uh, how much of an impact will that play out 12, 18 months from now? Uh, you know, it, it, filming is, is, and production have taken place in various parts of the world whether it's the U.S., whether it's New Zealand, Australia, Europe. Uh, we just saw, as you already know, Robert Pattinson uh, unfortunately got COVID and the Batman was shut down, but hopefully he'll be okay. And in two, three weeks, they can get that back up and running again. Uh, and then, you you know, it's all dependent on, on where coronavirus sits. If coronavirus is still a major issue 12 to 18 months down the line, then you're going to see continued staggered rollout of of the entertainment industry but i'm hopeful that that we'll have some way that we can uh, better control this pandemic and we can go ahead and get back to some normalcy when it comes to our entertainment and how the you know and, and how they can go ahead and produce because going forward we now have different ideals on how we can go ahead and view our entertainment that's, that's the one thing our pandemic has done is now made streaming extremely viable uh, we're seeing it today as you and i speak with the uh, advent of mulan bypassing the theaters here in north america or in the least in the u.s and going straight to a 30 dollar disney plus format so this is a grand experiment going on right now before our very eyes and if it does well who's to say that they won't do it in the future with some other projects down the line or, or HBO max might not, you know, might do it or Peacock might do it because they own universe, you know, they're universal. So you might see these things down the line and because people going forward, you cannot tell me that a hundred percent of the people are going to be just willing to go back next year in 2021 and all of them go back to the theaters. Uh, there's always going to be people that are apprehensive now because of what's happened that, and taken place in the pandemic. And there's a lot of people now that are just satisfied to go ahead and watch it on their 60 inch TV, you know, their flat screens because flat screens have gotten so much cheaper. I mean, come black Friday, there should be some 50 and 60 inch TVs under $500 really easily. So they're able to go ahead and say, you know what, I'll just go ahead and watch the latest movies at home. And that's changed the whole dynamic of things as well going forward. We may never see, I'm sure we will, but we may never see a film that approaches the dollar amount that Avengers Endgame had, uh, you know, because of the fact that 
there may not be as many people going to the theaters going forward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it was in, in January, 55 inch flat screen, $350. You know? There you go. Absolutely. I, I mean, it's looks good. Yeah. I mean, four 1080 for her goodness sakes. It's great for a lot of people. It's good for me. I mean, uh, you know, people ask me, are you going to get a 4k? Cause I have like a, a 10 year old 60 inch flat, you know, flat screen. I'm like, it's good. works for me. Can I see it? I'm good. You know, I don't, you know, I'm maybe when these uh, new generation consoles come out, maybe I'll, I'll think about going 4k or 8k or whatever it is that they can go ahead up to now these days. But my gosh, I'm good for now. If I can see what's going on, most of the broadcast networks still only go ahead and produce in 1080. They don't upscale to 4K yet. So even, why go? You know, even on, on Facebook, when we do Facebook lives, they're broadcasting in 720 yet. Yeah, absolutely. Can you see me? Can you see the fact that I have Lakers? Can you see my Mass Effect behind me? If you can, for 99% of the people out there, you're good. Yeah. Can I see the nice design that you got back behind you right there? There you go. Absolutely. Can I see the guitars? There you go. You're good. So yeah, you know, that's all that's all you really need, you know. Uh but going going back to the movies, uh should should the virus end up lasting longer than a lot of people are thinking? Uh, do you think there's gonna be any point where there's just a big empty gap where there's nothing released? No, they'll always try to fill it. Uh and the thing is it may not be filled in the way people had thought of traditionally. Because we even saw it now. I mean, they were still, Netflix and and streaming services were still trying to fill the gap with some type of content, whether it was popcorn movies, whether it was dramas, whether it was something that they could go ahead and throw. They were, they were creating the gaps. Box office-wise to theaters, that's a different story. We're going to still see gaps for the foreseeable future until this thing is nipped in the bud. Once where this thing is uh, nipped in the bud to an extent that people are going out in, let's say, 50 to 60% of what we once saw going to the theaters, then you're going to see the floodgates open. And you and I are going to see all those those movies that were delayed in, in 2020 that didn't get put on streaming. They're going to be brought out, you know, like every other week. And there's going to be a problem where everything's going to catch up. But again, there's also the production that you know, that was missed earlier this year because yeah. of all the stuff that's going on with COVID, there's going to be again a gap. So they have to recognize that there's, there's going to have to be a balance on the calendar at some point in time, uh, mm -hmm. because there will be an audience that goes back to theaters. It just won't be as large as it once was, at least for the foreseeable future, but there still will be a, a, a reason and an impetus as we're seeing now with, with the tenant, and Mulan overseas. I mean, there are theater chains that are open uh, across the the globe, and enough to the point where Tenant and Mulan are are making enough money to say, you know what, it was worth the investment. But are yeah. they going to be making the billion dollars that both were perceived to make at the box office when all is said and done? I, I'm not going to expect it. I don't think so. But there's still two to three hundred, four hundred million dollars that could possibly be on the table for both those movies. So that they were very reluctant to go streaming all around the world. And that's probably the reason why right there. Okay. So you don't think we're going to be left with a big giant hole where there's no TV or movie. If not, somebody's going to capitalize it. I mean, if, okay, let's say there's, there's a gap January to March next year. Okay. As far as movies come to the box office, guess what fills it up? Netflix. 
Netflix will eat that stuff up. Netflix has so many projects going in that's spending so much cash and so much money on on content and buying stuff that they aren't even producing that they'll fill that gap because that's why they're they're number one. If they don't, Amazon will. If they don't, uh, you know, HBO Max. If they don't, Peacock will. If they don't, Disney Plus will. Uh, and it, and especially now that some of these productions are beginning to come up, now you're going to go ahead and start seeing things like like uh, at the end of October, you're going to see the Mandalorian at, you know, and you're going to see, hopefully at some point in time soon, you're going to see uh, the winners, you know, um, winter soldier and, and Falcon and the winter soldier. And you're going to see all these other projects come on staggered, you know, on streaming that will take the place of any, any gaps in the box office. So you may see a, a gap in the movies, at least on the front part of 2021, but it will be more than made up by streaming services. All right. Well, I think that answered uh, probably most of the questions I've heard people asking relating to that. So uh, it's, those are great uh, questions. On that note, Gerald, you know, it's, it's been great having you. I was thrilled to have you back on here. Uh, definitely go check Gerald's website out, popculturecosmos.com. And I believe you're on what, Podbean? Well, I'm actually uh, all over. We're, just type in Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're not seeing it down below, just Pop Culture Cosmos wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. I had to list out today because uh, a network wanted me, uh, a, radio, a geek network wanted was interested in the show, and they wanted me to list out all the places I'm on. I lost track. So with all the podcast apps out of there, Bullhorn, wh- whatever you got on your phone to play podcasts or whatever you got out there to play podcasts, just look for Pop Culture Cosmos. We're out there. We're out twice a week. Every Monday and Friday, we drop new shows that cover the latest news and interests and basically the news and trends in pop culture. Uh, we also provide extra shows. If you come to our social media, uh, like the Facebook, for instance, we're always doing videos. I'm doing, trying to do pl- uh, this weekend. I'm going to try to play some video games and do some playthroughs there. Uh, you also see every Monday and Tuesday, I try to do uh, Dungeons and Dragons and Star Wars RPG uh, playthroughs with a lot of people as well online. You'll get to see that on streaming. Uh, I also do the Lakers fast break each and every night with uh, some great guests, including Raphael Barlow, NBA draft junkies uh, doing uh, playoff coverage each and every night. I'm looking to get my inside sports fantasy football show back again with Chris Ardieri uh, and get that back going. Cause football is right around the corner. So I try to keep my play full, man, I'm trying to keep it full. Hey, it sounds like it, but yeah, like I said, guys, I appreciate y'all watching. Uh, check out Gerald's site, uh, popculturecosmos.com. Pop him into Google, Bing, whatever you're using to search the interwebs. And uh, thanks, guys. Uh, we'll see you next week.